God, we choose now to listen in the midst of the noise in our lives. Pray that you would help us calm all the stuff in our lives so that we could hear. God, we're here today all for different reasons, truthfully. Some of us are kind of kicking the tires on the faith thing, trying to decide what's real and what's not. We know you're big enough for all the questions. Some of us have been following you for a long time and are tired. Some of us have been faking it for a long time and are ready to make it real. And God, no matter why we came in today, we pray that you would do what you promised you'll do, and that is when we read the Bible and when we ask you to speak, that you'll move in our lives. Very seldom is it a voice, never in my life, but it's always something that uh, moves us to be closer to what you want us to be. God, would you calm our hearts today so that we can hear a word from you and we'll listen in your son's name. Amen. So we're in a second week of a series called Stepping It Up, and um, what we really are hoping that you'll do over this, this next few weeks is prepare for um, the next, really the next three or four months around here, and maybe even into um, the end of the spring of next year. We are going to really work hard and push hard at, at growing together. And now truthfully, if you're, if you're a Jesus follower here, then you know um, what, what Jesus expects from you. And maybe you don't know exactly, but what we've been going through over the last few weeks is that what Jesus expects is for you to follow him. Um, not, not anything else really to begin with. It's just follow. Um, and the first few people that followed Jesus and a, the, a lot of the first people that were around Jesus didn't even believe in God really. They weren't even sure they believed in God. They definitely didn't believe in Jesus, um, that, but didn't believe that he was God. They just followed because they wanted to be around him. And so that's the, kind of the first call is just to follow. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're kind of kicking the tires on it, this is a great opportunity for you to see just kind of what this is, because what we believe around here and, and what we say all the time, now it's not always the way we live, and if you, see, if you call us a hypocrite, you are exactly right, because we don't live up to what we say we want to live up to. There is no question about that. But if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're blaming us for being hypocrites, I want you to know you are too. Nobody lives up to what they say they will do. It is part of who we are. In fact, what we're doing in this series is we're, we're saying that we want to step it up. We want to step towards being more and being better and being the kind of people that God created us to be in the beginning. Because, you know, we're all after this hope and peace and joy that seems so elusive in our lives. And often it's because we are blocking it with the junk in our lives. And so we are going to get better around here. And we're working towards it. We've got a lot of opportunities. We've got another sermon series coming up um, after this one called I Quit, which uh, sounds funny, but truthfully, it's about, it's about those habits, those things that we're stopping in our lives. And we're going to, I hope this before uh, January, we're going to quit some things around here that we've been addicted to for a long time and have been dealing with for a long time. And part of this sermon series is getting us ready for that because I believe what we've been doing when it comes to the habits in our lives, and we've all done this, you, everyone in this room has this op opportunity and this problem with our life where we say we want to do something, we know what we want to do, but in the long run, we keep doing something that's not that. Whether it's, I got to lose weight, I want to exercise, or whether it's, I need to stop this bad habit that's killing me and killing those around me and hurting my family and hurting my relationships, whatever it is, we all have something like that in our lives. And what I want to do is get to the root of the problem 
Um, because here's the thing. All of us have, have this issue of, of solving us, don't we? In fact, maybe somebody in your life has said this to you. It happened to me a few times in my life. Somebody's looked at you and gone, what is wrong with you? <laughs> now, sometimes it's just being funny. It's a funny joke. But the truth is there is a time in your life, if you're over the age of six, <laughs> where you have noticed that there is a, a contradiction in you. That I want to do this thing, but I just can't make myself do it. And so what you've done is some, at some point in your life, you've found that you need to push yourself harder. You need to try harder. You need to do this, read this book or listen to Dr. Phil more or listen to Dave Ramsey or do this. And you, you, you end up trying harder, but in the long run, if you just try harder, it's not enough, is it? And so we've talked about... The problem in our lives, these addictions that we have, these things that we have in our lives that we just can't quite stop doing, some of us have just accepted it. Some of you are sitting here today going, yeah, you don't even know, <laughs> and I've given up. If that's you today, I want you to know that this is e- you are exactly the reason I'm preaching this sermon, and I'm the same way. <laughs> in fact, the, the writer of the book of Romans, where we've been dealing with this, had the exact same problem in his life. And he says this, he says, I do not understand what I do. Now, this is going to be really confusing today. Before we get too far, you you already heard me say it, before we get too far on this, this is some of the most complicated teaching that I'll ever do up here in front, okay? This is some of the hardest, some of the most hard-to-understand teaching, but it is also some of the most important. And like, like I said, what we would normally call this if we were outside a church is very confusing. What we call it inside a church is deep, (laughs) But the truth is, one way or the other, it is hard to understand, and I need your attention today because this is not only hard to understand, it is also one of the most misunderstood concepts in all of the Bible and in all of theology. And today, I brought some visual aids. I got this table cleared here today. Um, those who decorate the place are probably going, why did he move that thing? Well, that's why. I, got, I want this space cleared. We're going to do some visual things. I'm, I'm going to try everything I can to do everything I can to make sure that we are on the same page when it comes to this problem that is in us. Paul says this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Something in you went, man, I thought the Bible was irrelevant like a long time ago. Like, that's where I feel right now. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now, keep going. Next slide. One more slide there, Tanya. As it is, It is no longer I myself who do it. (laughs) Now it's getting real weird, isn't it? But it is sin living in me. Okay, now I want to stop right there for a second because if you're visiting with us or if you're you're a faith person but you've just kind of been going to church, you haven't done this very long, you might have thought that sin was a verb. (laughs) That I used to sin or I, I have sinned I am sinning, and I will probably sin after church, right? It's a verb. Well, Paul says the problem in your life doesn't start there. Now, you probably, heard, you probably came today expecting for the preacher to say that sin is the problem with your life, right? That your sinning is the problem with your life, that doing drugs, that alcohol, that those, those habits that you can't break, the, the issues that we have in our lives, that, that it's all caused by the sins that you do. The truth is that is not what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying that the problem, his theory is that the problem inside of you are not the sins in your life. It's the sin that is a noun. It's not a verb. In fact, he would say that this thing that is inside you, that you are born with, 
which isn't fair. We're going to talk about that in a minute. This thing inside you that you were born with, it's the nature of who you are, is the reason that you can't stop doing the things that you want to stop doing. Okay, let's get on the same page there. For I know that the good, that good itself does not dwell in me, that it is in my sinful nature. Here's what the Bible teaches, and I'm going to be real honest about this today. I don't like to mince words. This isn't fair. It's just not fair. In fact, since the Garden of Eden, nothing is, it, most things aren't fair. You've said this to your kids, haven't you? My kids say this all the time. But, Dad, that's not fair. Yeah, that's good because that's preparing you for life, which is not fair. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you were born with this thing inside of you. It's called sin. It's not a verb. It's a noun. It's in you. If you believe it, if you don't believe it, it doesn't matter. It's there. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how good your parents were and that they tried to t coach it out of you. It is there. This is why, have you ever noticed this? You don't have to teach a kid sin. Did you know that? You don't have to learn it. At some point, they get to be two or three years old and they just all of a sudden, you're like, where did that come from? I know where it came from. It's in them. It's born in them. It's not fair. Here's the other part that's not fair about it. It's condemned by God. That sinful nature in us is condemned by God. So you say, you were born condemned by God? Yes. This sin in us is condemned by God. It's not fair. You know, there are a lot of things in life that aren't fair. I held a baby one time at Martinsville Hospital. It was about my first year here, and almost my last after this, that was addicted to cocaine when, it came, when the baby came out of his mother, mother's womb. Look at this little baby, and the doctor said, yeah, he's born addicted to cocaine. I went, that's not fair. But it's true. It, it's the same thing with this. It's not fair, but it is true. It, does, it can be both at the same time. And I want to explain today how God reconciles that. It got real quiet in here just now. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I do. This I keep doing. Now, this is so confusing because at this point, I believe, what I believe is happening here is Paul's not actually writing these words down. He's dictating, and somebody else is writing, and so he's going back in there. And at this point in history, paper was incredibly expensive. It was a very precious thing. And so, you know, you, she, he or she, whoever's listening to Paul and writing this stuff down is an expert, but it's really hard, and they're writing. So it gets confusing even in the language. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but is sin, not the verb, the noun, it is sin living in me that does it. Now, here's my visual aid today. On to that next slide, Tanya. Therefore, just as sin entered the word, world through one man, and you go, now what? It's what one man? What, what is this? Hang on. Okay, I want you to follow me here, and this is where things get confusing. Paul says this, that sin, this thing that's in us, entered the world through one man. His name was Adam. He was the very first man. That's how sin got into the world. And so I, I want to think about Adam today as a glass jar. And I've got a little A on this jar so that we can distinguish who Adam is, right? Okay, and so what he's saying is, is therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. Now you know this, and if you, don't, if you haven't ever, you know this, but if you haven't thought about it for a minute, this might be a real revelation to you. That the sins in our life, the addictions, the things that we can't stop doing that we know we should stop doing, will lead to death. Death of a relationship, death of a bank account, 
death of a friendship, death of an emotion, death of brain cells, and often even physical, dead as a doornail. If you don't believe that today, then I can introduce you to some people around here who will remind you, convince you. That sin leads to death. So that means even those of you who are in the room right now who are Christian people, who are following Jesus and who are living addicted to something, it's leading to death. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. The promise of Jesus is heaven and you have that promise. But what it means is that there are things in your life that will die. Whether it's a marriage because of your sin. Whether it's a relationship. It might be you. Physically. Sin leads to death. This is a serious, serious issue. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned through Adam. And you say, that's not fair. I know, but here's what the Bible says. It says, in the beginning was Adam. And because he sinned in the beginning, anyone who's been born since Adam, I'm going to represent this one by this little green guy, Anyone who's been born since Adam is in Adam. That means that he is like or she is like Adam in that they have sinned. And they are sin and they have this sinful nature in them and they're condemned. Now, that means this, that we'll call this one Billy Graham. If you're a Christian, you know who Billy Graham is. Thought of as a wonderful man. Billy Graham, sin. Mother Teresa will make her pink, sin. My kids, London and Reese, absolutely. <laughs> Let's grab a few more here. There's you. And there's you. There's me. Skinnier than last year, but still me. There's my wife. Uh, let's, let's put her right there for now. <laughs> it's just hard, you know? Yeah, I know. Here's, uh, you know, your grandma, your grandpa, the very last person that you would think would be sinful in the jar. In fact, anyone who's ever born is born into Adam. And, love you, yes. Still, born into Adam. So here's the truth about it. Okay, this is what Paul says. All of us who are alive today, if you can fog a mirror, there is in you a sinful nature that you were born with. It was because of Adam. It's not fair, but it's true. Look what Paul says next. He says, consequently, here's the good news, just as one trespass, that's Adam making the mistake he made, that sin that entered the world that we now, you're related to, and your guilt by relation resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act by Jesus resulted in the justification of all life for all people. So the good news is I have another jar. And this one has a J on it. And here's what the Bible says, and I'm hoping you never forget this today. This is why I did this visually. I'm hoping that at some point when things are the worst in your life and you feel the most caught up by that thing inside of you, that you remember this visual today, that what God has asked you to do is, is not live in this jar and say, I want to I be baptized, I want to be a believer in Jesus, and I'm going to keep living in this jar. And I'll tell you what, God, because of everything, I've heard this, because of everything God has done for me, 
here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to change. I'm going to live in this jar and I'm going to change. And you know what God says to that? No, you're not. Good luck. Because if you're going to continue to live with the sinful nature, you can't change. So here's the problem. Those of you who have tried to stop smoking, those of you who have tried to stop the sex addictions, those of you who have tried to stop the alcohol, those of you who have tried to stop the drug addictions, a lot of times what we're trying to do is just, we're just trying harder. We're going to live in this jar, but we're just going to try harder. And the problem is, it's in you. That sinful, messed up nature is in you. So you know what God says? He says, here's what I want you to do. Look at this. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. This is what the next six months is here at New Life. It's about taking those of us who have said, yes, we want Jesus, Maybe some of you haven't even done that yet. Some of us and a lot of us in this room have said, yes, we want Jesus, but we want to be better while we're living in this jar. We want to be back in the same world. We want to live in the same lifestyle. We want to do the same things we used to do. We're just going to be better. We're just going to try harder. God, because of the things you've done for me, I'm going to do this for you. And God goes, no chance. If you really want to be better, if you really want to overcome that sin in you, the only choice is this. You move from this jar to this jar. See, now, when I grew up, when I grew up as a preacher, and when I was learning to be a preacher, I thought that my role and that my job in my life as a preacher was to take the people who were in this jar and make them go, yay, I love Jesus, and then go right back into the jar. That's what I thought my job was. Now, as I've gotten older, I I quit preaching for a while, and I I got out of ministry because this is awful. It's an awful way to live your life, to see people come to Jesus and then die of the same addictions and the same junk they came to Jesus with. I don't want to spend my life like that. So what I've realized is this is is not my calling. And if you're a, a, a person in this church who wants to lead and wants to grow in this community, our job is not to get these people attached to Jesus and just, and just going to heaven. Our job, is the, the good news is so much better than that. It's about getting out of this jar and into this jar. Listen to what he says. Next slide. Paul says this. When I was living in this jar, even though I accepted Jesus, I was living in this jar. So I find that at this Law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner at the law of the law of sin at work within me. There are some of you in this place today, myself included, and I am praying through this. Some of you are still at the mercy of the sinful nature. Some of you are still, it's, it's, it's like you're, you've been a master to sin your whole life. Jesus came, he said, you no longer have that master, but you're still saying yes to the old master. And Paul says this, what a wretched man am I. Have you felt that way before? Maybe in a hotel somewhere? Maybe as you're coming down off a high? Maybe in a bed somewhere? Maybe after a big fight where you have said things unimaginable. Have you felt the way Paul feels? I am a wretched man. 
And he says this, who will rescue me? And here's your question today. Who will rescue me? What will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Check this out. Here's his answer. What a wretched man am I. Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. And he says this, Romans chapter 6. Next slide there, Tanya. He says, or don't you know? Now, if you're like me, as I was reading through this, and this is why I put all these visual aids together, I need this stuff so bad. I, I, need, I need a picture of this. And as I was reading this, he said, I read this, or don't you know? And my, I actually said it out loud. No, <laughs> apparently not. I don't know. Look into this. Or don't you know that all, that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I told you that was confusing. Maybe you didn't know, and maybe you still don't know, even though you've heard it, because this is confusing. What he says is you were baptized into Jesus' death. So here's the thing about this. When you accept Jesus, and when you're baptized, when you you accept the blood of Jesus, we're going to see a baptism today. This is going to be a great example. It's going to be even better than this stuff up here. This is a perfect example of it. When you see this visual today, you're going to see somebody go under the water. And when they go under the water, it's representative of a death. You're actually dying to that old, sinful person. And you have a new identity. It's going to be an amazing thing today. We're going to see this. And I hope you think of it differently than you've ever thought of it. When you see her go down into this water, and she goes into the water, that is the death. And when she comes up, it's a new identity. It's a new life. Now, here's what I see happen all the time. We do that, and then all of a sudden we get a little more of this. And then every now and then we come back and we're like, no, I'm I'm going to come over here now. And we just, we just get this little mix drink going on here of life where we just keep jumping jars. So part of what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to give you some really crazy practical things to do to stay in this identity. We're going to give you some of the most practical things. You're, I know what you're thinking right now. You're, going to think, you're thinking, I'm going to walk out of here. This is going to be another one of those religious sermons that at best I feel motivated to be different, but then I end up falling down. I have worked so hard to make sure that's not true. We are going to have absolute one step after another to get us living in this jar so we can be the people we're intended to be and quit obeying a master that has no authority over us anymore. Romans chapter 6, here's the good news. It says this, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. When you see this today, if you're, if you're a baptized believer in Jesus today, here's what you need to be doing when you see this baptism today. And anytime you see a baptism, you ever wondered what you should be doing? You know, sometimes we go, woohoo! And sometimes we're like, ah. sometimes we're looking to see if she's, you know, took a big swallow of air, or, you know, you're all, there's this awkward moment. Here's what you should be doing. You should be thanking God when you see her going to the water. You should be reminded that my old self is dead. And when you see her come up wet and smiling, you remember that you have an opportunity for a new life. Look what Paul says. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Go back one slide, Tanya. Thank you. Here he says, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have life, may, ha- may live a... It's on your bulletin. It's on your building. 
You saw it on your way in today. This place is called New Life, and it, every now and then, we do baptisms around here, and we do stuff, and we get, and every now and then I come in the parking lot, and I wonder if the sign is going to be changed to same old life. Because so many of us are back to living in a life that doesn't even belong to us anymore. On to the next slide, Tanya. In the next few weeks, we're going to do this study called Stronger. It's going to get us all the way into the spring. It's going to be fun. It's going to be online. There are going to be some practical things on our website. You'll have access here at the church. You'll also have some written form every week. Practical things you can do to get stronger in five different ways. Five different ways. Here they come. Physically, we're going to get stronger physically. <laughs> and we're, we're going to try to get rid of the devil's food cakes, okay? Um, and, and the things in our lives. Maybe not get rid of them, but cut back on them at least. Um, we're going to get better physically around here. We're going to get better emotionally. We're going to get better financially. We've got, there's a class, maybe you've heard of this, it's called Financial Peace. Does that sound good? Um, called Financial Peace. It's put on by the Dave Ramsey Group. The ironic thing about it is that it's very expensive to go through um, Financial Peace University, but we have a donor who has said anybody from, from Paragon who wants to go through Financial Peace in 2014 at New Life will be free. It's going to be amazing. An amazing thing. My wife is going to help lead some of that. Um, we're, it's going to be a really incredible time. Risha and I have been through this thing. It has changed our life financially, and we're not, we're not there yet. But just thinking and living differently financially will change your life. As you move forward, next slide. R- relationally, we're going to dig into who we are relationally. And that all together will lead us to a different place spiritually. It, the fifth thing here is the spiritual. And that all those things together make up our spiritual being and who we are. But before we do that, this is why I'm preaching this sermon before, if we just jump into this thing and we don't hit the root of the problem, which is the sin that we are living in, that thing that we don't have to live in anymore if we're followers of Jesus, if we don't get to the root of the problem, this doesn't make a difference. This will go away quick. So here's the end of the message today. And all God's people say, (laughs) the end of the message I have two friends that are now living near Orlando um, in ministry Joel and Christy just saying their names you know how some people you just say their names and you're like oh I just like to be with them I miss them so much they're our best friends Joel and Christy couldn't have children and really wanted it they tried in vitro fertilization they tried lots of different things could not have kids ended up adopting three kids internationally um, that were, and if you've ever seen any, an, ado- an international adoption, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is one of the most grueling things I've ever seen in my life. I love Joel and Christy so much, and it was unbelievable just to watch them go through the things they had to financially, the things they had to go through emotionally, the things they had to go through just like from, a, from just an emotional perspective of, I think we're going to get these girls, these kids, and then all of a sudden we're not. They had to keep going out of the country. And the orphanage was okay that these kids were in, but it wasn't a great place. It was a pretty scary place. It was a pretty hard place. And as I think about this issue today, I think about this adoption. 
Because here's the, what, what happened. I'd never been this close to an international adoption before. It was one of the most amazing things and one of the most scary things and heart-wrenching things. As it got closer and closer, it was this long, drawn-out process, and they thought they were going to get to bring the kids home. And, oh, no, we need a visa. Oh, we have to slip somebody a $100 bill so that we can get this move forward. It's incredible, all the things that happened. And all that time, Joel and Christy had to go overseas to be with these kids who at one point were actually theirs then. They chose these kids. And, by the way, the kids had no idea what was going on. They, they have these new white people in their lives that don't look, act, or talk anything like they do, and they don't, people are saying something like, you're going to end up living with them. They don't even know. They don't care. Their life is one day to the next. And Joel and Christy, in one stroke of the pen, changed their lives. They went from orphans to family. They went from one more face in the house to the center of the house. They went from barely eating and grabbing food and hoarding it in their clothes and in their room to more than they could ever want and better than they could ever imagine. In one fell swipe of the pen. As I was thinking about their story and yours and mine today, I can't think of a better example of where you and I are at. Now, what happened to these sweet kids as they came and one was, ended up being HIV positive, incredibly sick little girl who now is in wonderful health and started kindergarten. And their kids had these habits from their old life. One of them was hoarding food and had these terrible problems with food because they would starve over there. And when they got home, they would get all the food they wanted, but they would take it and they would put it places and they would end up gorging themselves. And one of these little babies just got huge because she just, every time she had an opportunity to eat, she ate until there was no more food because she, when she was there in her old life, she didn't know when she was ever going to get to eat again. So you eat as much as you can. And she had an eating disorder. And they came over at three or four years old with eating disorders and HIV and all these problems and incredible anger and violence in their lives because that's the way they had lived. Now they're in a home where it's joy and peace and hope and food and love and they're still behaving the way they used to see the thing is the orphanage used to be their master fear used to be their master but with one signature they got a new identity and joel and christy would say hey don't you know you're gonna eat three meals a day here plus snacks it's the way we do it in america Maybe second breakfast. You're going to eat. You're going to be loved. You're going to be educated. You're going to be taken care of. And these kids don't. They, they're still obeying their old master. They're still attached to their old way of life. This is the way I've been praying for you guys and for me this, during this series. And I hope you think of this when it comes to adoption. The Bible talks about that you've been adopted. Did you know that? You've been adopted. And with one signature, the creator of the universe said, No longer... Do you have to live like this? No longer do you have to be in bondage to your sinful nature. Sin, as Paul said it, is no longer your master. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. These three little kids, Joel and Christie's kids, they would go to sleep every night. And I said, I went to visit them last year, and I said, well, how, how, how do you manage this? And he said, I say 
I do consistent things to them. He said consistently they had no food. Consistently they were beaten. Consistently they were hurt. I am consistently doing the opposite. Every night I say to them the same things. I love you. I'll always love you. You can't do anything ever to stop that. No matter what you do, no matter how you act, no matter what you say, I will always love you and that will never change. He said, I just keep saying it over and over and over again. And in little kids, it works. But here's the truth. In grown-ups, it does too. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. First step in living in the other glass. This week. Write this down. This week. Here's what I want you to say. Every time you start going down that path of sin again, and I can list them. You want me to list them? Pornography? Guys, all the eye contact goes to the ground when I say that word. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say gossip. I'm going to say anger. I'm going to say addiction to drugs, to cigarettes, to whatever it is in your life that is leading to death, don't forget that. If you think it's just between you and, 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 and God, it's not. It's hurting your family. It's killing the things around you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to say. You can figure out how you want to say it today. But here's what, here, here it is, and this is it. Sin is not my master. It's that easy. Now, Here's what I picture. I picture this week you going on and sinning the way you have. But on the way, say this. Go ahead. Live the way you've been living. But our next step is just say this on the way. Sin is not my master. Because what the enemy would love for you to think is that you don't have a choice. That addiction is a physical problem and you can't stop. You're, you're out of control. The Bible says not true of you anymore. The enemy would like for you to think that you're so far out of control you can't come back. The Bible says sin is not your master. So what I'm going to ask you to do, this is the first step. It's going to get harder as we move through this. The first step in this thing is for you to understand and for you to say on a regular basis, a hundred times a day, sin is not my master. When you get up in the morning and you're on your way to sin, say, sin is not my master. Right after when you've done it again and you can't believe you've done it again and you feel like, Paul, I'm a wretched man, you say the words, sin is not my master. You're asleep. I want to hear you say it right now. One, two, three. Sin is not not my master. It sounds weird for us to do that together, but you had to say it out loud because I don't think you get it. This is huge. This is the beginning of being who God intended for you to be. You are dead to sin and alive to God. I want to give you the chance today to accept that. Now, here's the, here's the, the rub on this thing. There is no way to get to this jar without the J. If you're here today, you can be a really good person if you're not saved by the blood of Jesus. You're dead to sin. That's what the Bible tells us today, and I've seen it over and over in my life. And I'd like to give you the opportunity today. Baptistry is warm. It feels really good. It smells a little bit. It's all ready. We've got another baptism coming. Today is your Band, you guys can come up. The truth is, most of us in this place have been baptized. We have chosen this jar and are living in this jar. I give you a chance today to say to God, 
I believe sin is not my master. And I want to be different. You know, this morning I got up and I prayed for you. And I prayed for me. Because none of these sermons uh, come out of a vacuum. I'm not preaching these sermons at you. You realize this? These sermons I'm preaching for me. I mean, this is where I'm at. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a preacher, but it is absolutely true. I'm, I'm back and forth. I was yellow last time or orange, wasn't I? I'm back and forth between these jars, and I don't want to live that way. I got up this morning, and I was praying for you, and I was praying for me, and I kind of got emotional about this, and then all of a sudden I hear footsteps. My sweet little daughter. And I, I remembered that this is not just between me and God. That the choices I make, the way I live my life, the jar I choose to spend my life in is not just affecting me. It's about the little baby in your lap. It's about the teenagers in your house. It's about your husband. It's about your wife. It's about your neighbor. It's time to step it up and be who God intended for you to be. Would you choose it today? I'll be right back there in the corner. Would love to pray with you. You can do it right where you are. Stand with us.